Well, I am having fantastic time with the this series on spiritual gifts. Um, I know uh, many of you, when you think about spiritual gifts, it's something that's so far, that's so distant uh, from us. Uh, but then, if you really think about exactly what the spiritual gifts originate, what really is spiritual gift, you'll come to understand that it's something that's it's it's with us. It's uh, easy to grasp, and it's in fact it could be very intimate. Uh, we've been talking about this um, spiritual gifts uh, for about uh, eight weeks, and actually today is eighth week. And spiritual gift really isn't something. Uh, so special that it's only special, special, special kind of people uh, receives it. But because of the act of Holy Spirit that carries the, the love of God is what causes the Holy Spirit's gift to be uh, granted, that it's that if we seek earnest, eagerly, uh, that we can all uh, acquire and receive that Holy uh, Spiritual gifts. And that's basically what we all have to ask. Too often we think about what our natural gifts are, and thinking that if I don't have a natural gift, then I don't have a spiritual gift. That is not true. Um, if you think of me as someone who's speaking in front of the people, I didn't like speaking in front of the people. I was so shy all my life. In the high school, in college, I avoided any courses that had to give you oral presentations. I didn't care whether the professor was difficult or not. I'd rather do essays, but not oral presentation. It was my, my natural gifts. But when the Holy Spirit got hold of me, it almost as if this looks like my natural gift, but it's not. But it's still God uses you. Uh, because spiritual gift is something that's given to you. It's not something you have when you are born. That's exactly what that is. By definition that we've been talking about all through this series, the spiritual gift is a supernatural talent or ability given, given. The f- important word here is given to you by God to do what? To edify yourself? No. To serve others under what? The direction of the Holy Spirit. So what is the big picture? If you understand the big picture, it's a lot more approachable. It's not something like really far. What's the big picture? Or where did or how did uh, the Holy Spirit originate? What holds the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together? The scripture says God is love. It's a love that binds them together. Love is that binds all of us together. So it was so critical for us to understand this before we can really keep on talking about spiritual gift or different types of spiritual gift. We must also understand without this love, it means absolutely nothing. The Bible clearly says. And we've been discussing just to remind you and remind you so that this becomes very uh, approachable to, uh, to all of us. He says you can, you, can, you can have a gift of a prophecy, gift of a faith, gift of giving, but if you don't have love, you gain nothing. So the spiritual gift is about love carried by the Holy Spirit. And it is given for what purpose? To serve others is for common purpose, a common good. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, Now to each one of the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And that common good is to love others, 
to strengthen others' faith and to serve others. They're not supposed to be some kind of a mysterious thing. So we first week, uh, we studied the overview of the Holy Spirit. Then we uh, addressed the prophecy, exhortation, uh, third week, giving, administration, and teaching. And the fourth week was shepherding, mercy, and serving. The fifth week was a faith, discernment, and wisdom. Sixth was evangelism. Last week was knowledge and apostle. Today, we will address spiritual gifts of tongue, interpretation, miracles, and healing. And next week, we'll be wrapping it up and trying to put our gifts, transforming into spiritual gifts, and also to confirm our spiritual gifts. So we're going to do, after the service, we're going to do the tests, the survey, or or seminar, I encourage you to take that. It's available also in Korean version if you're more comfortable with that. This is a once in a lifetime to do it. I have never taken it. So I'm eager to, to do this just as much. So first, about the gifts of tongues and interpretation. This was hard because I don't have that gift. I like to seek one. The Bible says, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. Now you might be wondering, with all the spiritual gifts that we've been talking about, which one of the spiritual gifts is greater than the other? Or are they all equal? Remember, even disciple asked Jesus, among us, who is the greatest? It's just people's mind. All the gifts we talked about, which is greater than the other? If your question has to do with the presence of the Holy Spirit, the answer is that they are all equal. On the other hand, if the question is about lifting others, encouraging others, as in love your neighbor as yourself, then one stands out. But it's not the one we're going to be talking about today, but we need to look at that in comparison so we can understand spiritual gifts of other ones that we're studying today. The Bible says, pertaining to which is greater, 1 Corinthians 14.5 says, I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. Period. That's there. God wants us to speak in tongues. But I would rather have you prophesy. Have a prophecy. He who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Hmm. Unless he interprets so that the church may be edified. What does that mean? If God gave equally the gifts to everyone whom he uh, deems to, to give, then why is that the gift of tongue is not as greater than the gift of prophecy? Well, a few weeks ago when we did study, 
the gift of prophecy is to understand exactly what that is. Most often people think of a spiritual gift of prophecy as someone who have the ability, supernatural ability to do the forecasting or foretelling what is to come, what is to happen. That's included. But today's scripture in the Corinthians defines very clearly that spiritual gift of prophecy is about strengthening, encouraging, comforting others as in simply loving others as God is love. Verse 3, but everyone who prophesies, everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comforting. If you're foretelling something about somebody else, and that is you're encouraging, you're comforting them, and you're uh, strengthening them, that's spiritual gift of a prophesizing. When you go visit your friend, your co-workers, your boss, or your family members and who are sick, and facing tough challenges, facing storms. And you go to them and say things like, you will be okay. God is with you. I've experienced it. God was with me. God will be with you. He will, he will heal you. Just like the king, Hezekiah. In the name of Jesus, God's going to heal you. Believe in that. What you're doing is exercising your spiritual gift of a prophecy, which is to strengthen, which is comforting, which is encouraging one another. So the difference between the two spiritual gifts, the prophecy and tongues, is in verse 4. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. God wants us to edify, love the church. The people. Verse 18. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct, to encourage, to comfort, to strengthen others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Let me remind you again and again, God has given us the spiritual gifts for common Good, and that is to serve others, to strengthen others' faith, and to serve others. So then what is the gift, the spiritual gift of tongues? Just, let's, just zero in the Bible, because this is a tough one. It's just zero in the Bible. They are the sign gifts. Verse 22 says, tongues then are a sign. And it is not for believers. Wow. 
so that we don't boast about it. But it's for unbelievers. What? I don't really understand like, what they're uttering, but how it could be for non-believers. On the other land, prophecy, however, is for believers, not for unbelievers. Why is that? For anyone in 1 Corinthians 14.2, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to man, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. Why is that tongue is for Unbelievers. Bible goes on to explain that if non-believers come and they hear people speaking in tongues, they feel the presence of God. There's something special. There's something all. That's exactly what is said in Acts 2. Some people in the beginning thought it was they're drunk, but they were awe and marvel at what was happening. But if you speak to believers, since they don't understand it, what he's saying, don't speak it unless you have interpretation among you. I marvel at those who have been given this special spiritual gifts. I actually wish I had one or I have received it. I just feel that when I see people who speak in tongue because it is to edify, not himself, but edify God, that they have this a way in which their own intimate way to communicate with God. I'm saying, so be so cool to have that. So I want to bring on someone who has the gift of spiritual gift. Juliana, can you come up? front here and uh, I'm just going to ask you a question for someone who have received that spiritual gift of tongue so we are family right we, we kind of kind of know each other right and uh, sometimes some uh, you seem to uh, utter some strange sounds in your prayers and I've noticed it and uh, let me ask, when did you receive it? Um, actually, my story with receiving tongues is kind of amazing and dramatic. I, um, <clears throat> I went to a 40-day retreat, and that's where I, I actually got saved. Um, I didn't want to be there, but I had made a promise to my dad that I would go <laughs> if he sent me to Italy. So I went to Italy, and then when I came back, he was like, so what about that 40-day retreat? I really didn't want to go. But I went, and, you know, you're just isolated in the presence of God, isolated with a... It was like Bible boot camp. So I was there, and I didn't want to be there in the beginning, but over time, the Holy Spirit really started to work on my heart, um, softening it, and um, it quite naturally, because 
we weren't allowed to have any other distractions. And we were constantly reading the Bible, worshiping, praying, and, and listening to like men of God. And one man of God came to this um, retreat to speak, and he was really... Um, he, he was really mature in his spiritual gifts. He knew about prophecy. He was actively um, prophesying. And, and one time in worship, I, I, as my heart started getting softened, I started to raise my hands for the first time. Um, and it was this really strange thing where um, I could almost see, because I'm a very visual person, and in this moment, I could see that this, like, bird made of fire was, was coming to me. And it landed on my left shoulder. And I saw it, like, in a, in, like, a spiritual, with a spiritual eye, I saw it enter my heart. And a few moments later, the man of God who was leading this worship service, he, told, he said, some of you will receive the gift of tongues today. And as soon as he said that, I think it was probably five seconds later, I just started to speak in tongues. And I was, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, and then I went home after the retreat and I was practicing it in my room because no one in my family had gotten tongues. So it was this really new thing um, between me and God. And yeah, that's how I received it. So um, when you... Uh speaking in tongue do you understand what it means to you uh, does it really have a meaning to it or is it another way of saying god I love you i love you god you're you're my god is that like different way of saying that uh, do you understand that um so i'm going to just speak for myself because mm-hmm. i i don't know how other people would define their use of tongues but for me um I really had to grow into it because I, I had no one to really teach me except Holy Spirit, who's a sufficient teacher. And um, for me, I re- I, there's a few ways that I use this gift. Like sometimes um, I have, I'm praying for someone. Maybe somebody's really suffering. There's, they're being really attacked by Satan. Like there's attacks on all sides and I, wanna, I need to pray for them. I need to intercede for them. And in that case... It's almost like I, I focus on the subject. I focus on God intervening on their behalf. And I pray in tongues because I almost don't know what else to do. In that moment, I, I, I can say, oh, like, you know, God, please help this person. Please deliver them from their situation in Jesus' name. But for me, it's just like when I speak in tongues and I think about that person, it's almost like I'm entering spiritual warfare. I'm entering in, because it's a real, you know, the battle isn't flesh and blood, but it's the principalities in heaven. There's real activity going on in the spiritual world, which most people aren't aware of. So when I speak in tongues and I pray, it's really like, it's almost like I have this force with me and I'm, I'm pushing heaven to, to them. That's one way. Another thing that I do sometimes is, I, I, it's almost like we're so much in this world that for me, sometimes tongues can be a way to get rid of the distractions and really focus, like focus in on God and focus in on the spiritual things. And sometimes I, I pray in tongues without too much of an agenda 
and just to connect with God and get rid of distractions. And then I'm really surprised at some of the subjects he gives me to pray for. Like he'll reveal things to me in tongues about someone that I would never know. Thank you so much. Thank you. If we have anybody in our congregation who has special gift of interpretation, uh, I was going to have her pray for us in tongue, but the Bible says if you don't have interpretation, do not speak at the church. But exactly the way she described, it is to edify God, but ultimately, she says, she use it to strengthen others' faith, uh, to, to serve others, just to love on others, to appeal to God that my friend needs your help. And she is speaking in tongues in a very, very intimate way. That's what that is. So it's a beautiful uh, spiritual gift uh, that God has granted to, um, to, uh, to some of us. Now to understand all this, we really need to understand the history of language of human race. In the garden, how many languages did we have? <clears throat> There's only one language. It was given by God. Just spiritual gift is given to us. This language was just one day given to Adam and Eve. It was language used to communicate with God. There was no need for tongue, but they're already communicating with God. But things change with the fall of Adam and Eve. Remember, they were cursed, and they were kicked out of garden. But man continued to have one language until when? Until the time of a tower of Babel. And God confused their language so that man cannot understand each other. Why? God had a purpose. Why he scattered so they can't understand each other? Why? Because when they had only one language, the people, us, they conspired not to glorify God, but they did it to make name for ourselves. It's like this. When you have one language, people begin to gossip. That's no different. Gossips are not good. They hurt people instead of serving people. So how would you avoid people who are gossiping all the time? Scatter them and have them speak different language. They will not speak to each other. That's exactly what God did. You know, one thing about our church, I don't see too many gossips compared to some of the churches that I attended. Some of those homogeneous churches, they speak one language. There's always gossips. Whether it's English-speaking church, whether it's Korean-speaking uh, church, there's always gossip. People just hurt each other. Our church, because we've got several different languages, it's not enough. No, there is no gossip. I don't hear that many gossips. That's a good thing. We got something going, guys. 
And God confused the languages and scattered them across the earth. But God is God of a purpose, God of love. He chose one man with one language to bring him glory and draw mankind back to himself. That was Abraham. He was the one through whom God promised to bless all nations, even though they all spoke different languages. But Abraham at the time spoke Hebrews. And God spoke to Abraham in Hebrews. So if you think about it, if you look at the history, the rest of the world who did not speak Hebrew or understood Hebrew, they were ignorant of God's plan for redemption. They did not know it. Today, we have a translation. Those days, even not too far ago, maybe, you know, three, four hundred years ago, there was no translation. Even little country, Korea, they got like three, four different dialects. You go to China, they have 100 dialects. In America, we got several dialects. We, we kind of understand each other. We got a lot of dialects. The village didn't move. They were scattered. They formed their own languages. So the point is, if you don't speak Hebrew, nobody knew God's plan for redemption. Never heard of it. There was no one to translate it for them. If you did not know Hebrews, then you did not know who our God was. That's kind of sad, isn't it? Until, until the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit just came and poured on the people of God who were speaking different languages. But they had everything in common. That's what it says in Acts 2. So if, let's look at Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of a Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house that they were sitting. Something similar to, not quite the same, but similar to what Juliana was just describing. He felt something coming down. They saw what seemed to be tongue of fire that separated them and came to rest each of them. Rest in each of them. She mentioned dove. Resting on her shoulder. Verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. The Spirit enabled them. Here the other tongues simply means that they spoke in language different from the normal language that they were used to. People who heard them speak in this tongue they were amazed and they were marveling at what they have heard. Of course, some thought they were like drunk because they didn't understand it. But they were curious. And that's when Paul spoke up. Don't be like that. They have received 
special, that gift from God. Even though we speak different language, we can understand, we can communicate with God. We got everything in common. The importance of this passage is not just about the tongue as in language, but what is more important is to show us the power and the work and the presence of the Holy Spirit are the gift given to us by God. It's to show us that God's redemptive purpose of bringing his people together back to him. Pentecost and the Holy Spirit poured down, that was God's way of reversing his curse of divided languages. Intention, his intention of spiritual gift of tongue is to glorify him and come together, even though we speak different language, and communicate with God in the same common way. At the same time, in the Corinthians, even though spiritual gift of tongues is to edify, glorify God, not necessarily himself, the people, but Bible also says not to forbid. the spiritual gift of tongue in church. 1 Corinthians 14. Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. And when you go to chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, it's a pretty long chapter. It describes all the details about the spiritual gift of tongues and its interpretation in very details. And the spiritual gift of interpretation is of, of tongue and its interpretation is sort of alongside of the gift of tongue. And the Bible says this, no tongue should be spoken in the church without interpretation. That's the key. If there is interpretation, then speak it out because it's going to edify, help to serve the people. If it doesn't, stay quiet. First Corinthians fourteen twenty-seven says, If anyone speaks in tongue, two or at most three should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God only. And you have a gift. It's a beautiful gift. It's a gift that we all wish that we would have. But we are to use it, not to boast about gift that you have received, but to serve others, to strengthen others, and, and, and appeal to God. My friend, my church are facing tough times. 
I am communicating with you in this very special, intimate way. And that's what is to be used for, to edify God. The spiritual gifts of healing and miracles is also a gift that's given to us. To another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing <clears throat> by that one spirit. <clears throat> to another miraculous power, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits. So there is also a spiritual gift of healing and the miracles. This miracles, these healings, are still available in church today. Some church, some believe that this gift has ceased to exist after the original disciples. Our church believes that while the office of apostle ended with the original 12, 12 apostles, but the spiritual gifts of healing and miracle continues to present day, but must be done through faith. It, it continues through faith. That is the most important thing. When we studied Galatians several months ago, it was about us being saved. Saved how? Saved through faith, not by law or by works. In the Galatians, Paul uses the same uh, uh, case to, to state to us the miracle healing is the same thing. It's by faith. Galatians chapter 3 verse 5 <clears throat> I ask you again does God give you the power of the Holy Spirit and the work miracles among you as a result of your trying to obey the Jewish law? He says, no, no, no way, that's not it. Of course not. It is when you believe, when you have faith in Christ, and you fully trust him, you will experience miracles and healings as we have uh, testified uh, or announced earlier about some of, a couple of our church members having experienced it most recently. The work of miracle does not come from observing the law, but only through faith. That means this gift, this gift is available to all of us. When we appeal to God, when we pray to God, in faith, when you do that, ordinary believers, not only people like apostles, can heal or bring miracles. We can bring miracles and healings. And if you think that only apostles or special, special kind of God-anointed people can bring healings and miracles, then what you're really saying is 
I can have all that by observing the Jewish law. Because in those days, who were the law? It was Pharisees. And Jesus came to break that chain. It's not about the law, but it's through faith we receive grace. Through faith we can receive the miracles and healings. These gifts, healings, and miracles are not for self-exaltation, but it's for the sake of love, to serve others, to help others, to strengthen others' faith. And it's not for healing at will, like a magic wand. Even the Apostle, that's a capital A apostle, the, the original 12 apostles, well, in addition to that 12 apostle. Even though Paul healed so, so many people, he could not heal himself from the thorns in his flesh. And he acknowledged that My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He realizes, even though I may not be able to heal myself, but that, that he does get the healing, because even in his witness, weakness, he is in power. He receives that special power, that grace, that the Holy Spirit In closing, all the spiritual gifts are given to us for common good. To love others, to strengthen others' faith, to serve others. I cannot emphasize more. It is not something that we can boast about. It's not something they say, hallelujah, I just found out my spiritual gift is this and that. Are you using it to love others? to strengthen others' faith, and to serve others. It is given, again, by God, and it is carried the wheel, if you would, of a car that moves, that allows to move, it carried by the Holy Spirit, and where there is no Holy Spirit, there is no spiritual do not confuse your natural gift, which is, does not yet contain spiritual gift, thinking that's your spiritual gift. You can transform your spirit, natural gift into spiritual gift as the Holy Spirit carries you. Why are we discussing about the spiritual gift as to serve others because the Holy Spirit, the essence of the Holy Spirit is the love of God. If you take that out, it's meaningless. The essence of the Holy Spirit is the love of God. So, in finally, in 1 Corinthians 14 says, follow, what? Follow the way of love. 
and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And seek God to give you that spiritual gift. But you must, must follow the way of love, that God is love. And Jesus is teaching to us, love your neighbor as yourself. That is to what? Sacrifice for your neighbors. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you.